I am about as ready to share the word as I have been in a long time. Uh, amen. And I hope that you're ready to receive the word today. Can you say amen? amen? Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Holy Father, I come into your magnificent presence, recognizing that I am just a mere man, and I cannot do this without you. In fact, Lord, let it not be my words that touch the hearts of people, but may it be your spirit that touches the hearts of people. Let it not be my thoughts that motivate people to respond to you, but may it be by your spirit that leads people to respond to you. I thank you, Lord, that your word never goes out useless and that it always accomplishes everything that you have purposed for it to do. And so I just speak a release upon your word today. Open our ears to hear, open our minds to understand, and open our hearts to receive in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to deliver a message to you today entitled, It's a Spiritual Battle. I just, uh, I didn't bring a handkerchief, so I need a couple of tissue. I better take this. I'm probably going to cry today. That could happen. Excuse me, just. A, a public speaker and having stuff run down your face. <clears throat> I have a message, as I said, entitled, It's a Spiritual Battle. Everybody say, It's a Spiritual Battle. It's a spiritual battle. Say it to me again, please. It's a Shout it at me one time. We all woke up last Saturday with the horrible headlines that Israel was at war. Thousands of rockets rained down terror on Israel. Hamas invaded with heinous actions, unlike anything that Israel has seen, many have said, since the Holocaust. Uh, and some have even dubbed it Israel's 9-11. Multiple hundreds of people have been murdered, kidnapped, and brutally tortured. Hamas specifically targeted women, children, and the elderly. In one location, it's said that at least 40 babies were murdered and many of those decapitated, beheaded. Hamas has indiscriminately been bombing residential areas with a barrage of thousands of rockets leaving the dead strewn in the streets. They went home to home. They went door to door, massacring everyone in the home. At the writing of this message, which was a few days ago, the number was somewhere around 1,300 killed and more than 3,000 wounded. As best we know, uh, about 100 have been kidnapped, abducted, and taken into Gaza. And all of this, of course, led Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to declare war on Hamas. Who's Hamas? Well, Hamas is a terrorist organization that's funded primarily by Iran. And Iran has made it very clear, no questions asked, nothing hidden. They've made it very clear that their objective is to wipe Israel and America off of the world map. 
specifically Israel. People in Iran and similar nations are celebrating the deaths of these Israelites and, of course, of Americans as well. Sadly, and I might say appallingly, even some in America, including within our own government, are, are standing with Hamas, demonizing Israel, demonizing America. Shameful. Shameful. I sent out a phone message this week calling on everyone to pray for, for Jerusalem. It's interesting how all of history and nearly every global event that takes place always points back to Israel, to Jerusalem. The Bible predicted that all of the end times would revolve around Jerusalem. Zechariah chapter 12 Verses 2 through 9, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. I believe we have it coming up on the screen. It says this, I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judah. On that day, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to try to move it but they will only hurt themselves. On that day, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of their enemies. And the clans of Judah will say to themselves, the people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of heaven's armies, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a flame that sets a wood pile ablaze or like a burning torch among sheaves of grain. They will burn up all the neighboring nations right and left while the people living in Jerusalem remain secure. The Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first before Jerusalem so that the people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have a greater honor than the rest of Judah. On that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, like the angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day, I will begin to destroy all of the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now, that's from the word of God. I believe... With all, and you all know I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, and I'm not here today to preach a message uh, uh, on eschatology in the end times. That's not my point. This is simply the introduction to a message about it's a spiritual battle. But I believe that we are witnessing the final countdown. We're seeing Bible prophecy unfold right in front of our eyes, and we cannot be blinded to it. And what should we do? Jesus made it very clear what we should do. In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, he said, When these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. That's what he said to us. I want you to notice that he didn't say, Freak out. Get filled with fear. Respond in panic because you're in trouble now. No, Jesus says, lift up your heads 
because your redemption, redemption is about to show up on the world stage. What am I to do? What are you to do? I have decided for myself that I am going to immerse myself so deeply in the Word of God, so saturate my heart and my mind and my thinking, specifically with the Psalms of David and the Proverbs of Solomon. Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Psalm 9, 9, The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Psalm 116, verse 8, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Psalm 46, now we usually just read verse 1, that the Lord is an ever-present help in time of trouble. But I want to read the entire Psalm 46, especially in context of what's going on across the globe. God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, <clears throat> though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall, shall not be moved. God shall help her just as the break of, at the break of dawn. What is the city of God? Jerusalem. Numbers, verse 6, the nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Verse 8, come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God, the Lord says. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I wish somebody would give the Lord a shout of praise in the house of God. So what do we need to be doing in the light of everything that is happening? We need to look up, not down. We need to look up because guess what? Jesus is coming soon. What else do we need to do, though? We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for the peace. Psalm 122, verse 6 through 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be with you. You see, we have an instruction to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Whether or not you agree with all the political points of view or this or that or whatever your, your position politically is, we bank on what the Word of God has to say 
And as believers, that's what we must follow. Would you stand with me now, please? We're going to pray. We have an instruction, a mandate to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Father, we come into your holy presence this morning. We stand together, not only physically here in this room, but in our hearts, we stand in unity and solidarity for your people, your chosen people, Israel, and your holy city, Jerusalem. Lord, I, I recognize that many of them have yet to really have a revelation that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the Messiah as many of them are still waiting on their Messiah. But that doesn't change the fact that you have made a statement that, uh, 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 that they are your children, they are your people, your chosen people. And you've given us, as your believers, your sons and daughters, the mandate to pray for their peace, to pray for their prosperity. So Lord, we come together in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirit to lift up a prayer from this place and may it go into heaven like Incense, the prayers of incense, the incense of prayer to you, Lord. I know your eyes are already on what's happening. Your ears are already attentive to the prayers. I know that you've already sent battalions of angels. And I know, Lord, that when this all fleshes out, there's going to be Stories of this miracle and that miracle and this miracle and that miracle where the God of Israel came through in a terrific and dramatic, miraculous way. That being said, Lord, we also recognize that not every Palestine is Hamas. And that there are many, Lord, that, that are in the Gaza Strip who are not necessarily on board with what Hamas is doing. And yet Hamas, Lord, is not letting any of them leave. We pray for your protection supernaturally somehow, Lord, as Israel does what it needs to do and feels that it needs to do. We ask for safety for the innocent, safety for the children, safety for the mamas, safety for the grandmamas, safety, Lord Jesus. May there be miraculous indications and stories following where maybe a bomb came to a house and that was filled with Hamas and the house right next door had no Hamas, just Palestines, and yet every Palestine was rescued. And may they come to a revelation of Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamashiach, as the Messiah of the world. Help them, Lord. Give Israel wisdom. May it follow your path for them. And so, Lord, we pray for peace in Jerusalem today. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. and amen. amen. You may be seated. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. So Israel is facing life-threatening attacks from the enemies. And we too are facing life-threatening attacks on many fronts. 
Remember that the title of my message is It's a Spiritual Battle. Say that with me. You've got to keep your head wrapped around that. And so we right here at Res Life are facing life-threatening attacks from the enemy on many fronts, and not just us. Many people are, and I want to address a couple of those attacks this morning. I may only have time to address one of them, and I'll pick it up again next week. But I want to address a couple of the attacks that I'm speaking of this morning, and we're going to retaliate. But we're going to retaliate in prayer, because this is what we need to surround our... If you want to... You want to find an answer to the fear and to the uncertainty of what's going, across, going on across the globe. You need to wrap up in the Bible and wrap up in prayer. Can I get a better witness from this Bible reading praying church? Now I ask our staff, excuse me just a minute. I ask our staff to do a demographic study of our church. Just because I've been absent for three weeks does not mean that I haven't been still pastoring. I've just been absent on Sunday morning. So I'd like to pass some of that data forward to you. We have about 235 people who either regularly or periodically attend our church. That's pretty awesome. I said that's pretty awesome. of that populace is male. 67% of that populace is women. (laughs) What are you saying? Guys drool, women rule? Is that what you... Yeah. It's all right. We'll get you saved later on. I'm kidding. 34% of this church is male. 67% is women. 43% are over 55 senior adults. Twenty-nine percent are twenty-six to fifty-four adults. 16% are children. 7% are youth. 5% young adult, 18 to 25. In doing this demographic study as a pastor and a leader, it put focus in areas that we need to work better at. We're a church that believes in young families and the celebration of family, yet only 5% of our congregation falls within that bracket specifically. We have some work to do, right? But what I want to talk about today is, and I'll, I'll touch on some of these other areas as we go forward, but I want to talk about the majority. The majority of our church is women, 67%. 
over 60%. I changed it from 67 to 60 because maybe 7% of it is not yet adult women. Are you with me? So over 60% of our church is adult women. Now, Pastor Barkley, my pastor, he gave a prophetic word a number of years ago warning us that there would be an upcoming demonic attack on Christian women. And I remember him praying for women at that time because he could see that even in his own congregation there was a severe attack on women. Women are the predominant populace of nearly every church. I venture to say that 60% of the church being female is not just specific to Res Life. I believe that that's probably common to just about every church everywhere that over 60% of the populace of that church is women. So why, I mean, this is kind of a dumb question I'm getting ready to ask. Why would Satan be so focused on Christian women? Without question, women carry the greatest weight in a church's spirituality. Now, I know it's not Mother's Day and it's not Celebrate Women's Week. I don't think there is such a thing. Hallmark, I hope you're not listening to me. We should be celebrating women every day. I celebrate my wife every day. But without question, because remember, it's a spiritual battle. I'm talking about a spiritual thing here. Are you all with me? Women carry the greatest weight of a church's spirituality. Have a prayer meeting with 50 people, and 40 of them will be women. Take a look at our altar prayer ministry team of 13 people, 11 of them being women. Now, I'm not here today to rail against the men for not being the spiritual force of a church, although I think our men's minister would like for me to do so. That's not my point today. I think we would all agree that the numbers should have a greater balance than we're seeing. I'm trying to help you understand why, there is, why is there a spiritual attack on women? I'm talking about a demonic spiritual battle that is being waged against Christian women. Satan knows that if he can take women out or at least knock them down, then he can gain territory within just about every church in America and he can even cripple that church. If he can just take the women out, if he can just make the women shut up and sit down and and not be present, if you will, then he can cripple the church. Thank God for 67% of our church being women. Do you hear me? That's powerful. Godly women are the oil that keeps the spiritual gears moving smoothly in every church. Women, I celebrate you today. Thank you for being so stalwart and strong and faithful. Again, I'm not here to rail on the men, but many times us men do our best to make it to heaven on the skirt tails of our wife. 
not the way the picture is supposed to look. A godly woman is famously described in Proverbs chapter 31. Verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And I praise you women today. Thank you for being so strong in faith and so strong spiritually and so strong in prayer and so committed to the success of a church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why has it happened this way? All through the annals of Bible history, God has used women as instrumental to his purposes on earth. I could go through a long list. Let's just take a look at two. Eve and Mary. I could do a whole list of women listed in the Bible as profound parts of history makers and history changers. But if you want to take a look at just two, let's take a look at Eve and take a look at Mary. God has used women as instrumental to his purposes on earth. Women have played a key role in the formation of the church over the last 2,000 years. Even in the New Testament, women are mentioned again and again and again and again as to how uh, they helped the, the apostles, the disciples, keep doing what they were needing to do. And I dare say many of them could not have done what they did had it not been for strong women. Women uh, have a tendency, uh, maybe by nature, maybe by spirit, to uphold moral and spiritual values, even better than men. Women display wisdom and discernment, probably in many cases better than men. And again, this is not railing on men. We could have a whole other sermon about that. That's not... Please don't sit here and go, well, he's just beating up the guys today. If you feel that way, you probably need a beating. Because <laughs> that's, that's not my goal. Women have historically demonstrated love and compassion and forgiveness. It's women who are the nurturers and the caregivers who fix the boo-boos. And dads just say, get up and walk it off. <laughs> Thank God for women. <laughs> women are and have historically been the prayer and intercessory warriors of every church. Amen. Why, does the, why does Satan have a target? Why is he aiming his crosshairs at women? He knows that if he can cripple women spiritually, he can cripple the church. Right. Women, more often than men, are God's willing vessels to do whatever is necessary. Us men sometimes are kind of stuck in a rut. Always done it this way, it's always worked. I'm not doing it a different way. And heaven forbid I stop and ask for directions. (laughs) 
My wife hates it when I use Siri. Turn that other woman off. Of course, she knows I don't know my left from my right, so. The devil is a war strategist. That's what um, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the uh, authorities in the Israeli army are doing. It's putting together the proper strategies to take Hamas out while not, while minimizing the number of innocent that are caught up in the, as collateral damage. I hate to put it that way. The devil's a strategist, smarter than any man, smarter than any woman. He's smart, he's subtle, he's conniving, he's deceiving, and it's a no-brainer for him. I don't need to put a target on most of the men because they just occupy a, a seat. I'll put a target on the women because they're world shakers and world changers and spiritual movers. They're the inspiration of the church. They're the ones who keep a church spiritually tuned. I'm so grateful for all of you ladies. I know this would have been a better Mother's Day message, wouldn't it? So the devil is a war strategist and he's pretty cunning at doing it and he knows that if he can shut down the spiritual backbone of the church, if he can take out the women, then he can cripple the church. And I believe with all of my heart, we have some of the greatest women anywhere here at Resurrection Life Church. We have some of the strongest and most persistent women I've ever seen in just under 30 years of ministry. I've watched some of our sisters go through severe battles, life-threatening battles, and somehow remain strong, somehow remain courageous, somehow may remain stalwart in their faith. I got permission for a, from a couple of them to mention their names today, and I know you're watching online. Penny, Rob, whoo, we love you. Penny has been fighting with life-threatening cancer. And it's eating her up, but she is still stalwart in her faith that God is going to pull her through. And you are an example and a blessing. And we love you and we're praying for you and we're standing with you in faith to the best of our abilities. Mary Pat, I call her almost like the sweetheart of this house. I mean, she's just a sweetheart, eating up with cancer. I called her this morning and asked for permission to mention her name. And she is still that smiley, happy, sweetheart. <clears throat> Mary Pat, we love you. We're standing with you in faith. We're cursing the enemy. And no matter what may come, God will receive the glory for your life. Peggy, our children's director, diagnosed with cancer. This should break our hearts. 
Every time I get a call from someone within our church who was once again diagnosed with cancer, me and Diane look at each other and go, what is going on? And I become angry. The enemy's attacking the women of Red's life. There's other attacks that I haven't even mentioned. Joni's mom. Outside of a parting of the Red Sea miracle, will be transitioning to heaven. See, my heart not only goes out to these women, but Rob, brother, I love you, man. Jonathan, if you're watching today, we love you, man. These aren't words coming from a lack of faith. Because I know God can still perform a miracle. But we also, we, we recognize that there's a difference between the facts and the truth. The facts say that these people are in the midst of a life-threatening disease. The truth says they're healed by the, by the blood of Jesus and the stripes of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we don't negate the facts, but we put our faith in what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. But I, for one, am unwilling to idly stand by and just watch it happen. I'm going to stand up. And I'm going to battle for the women of Resurrection Life Church. It's part of our vision and forge to raise up men who will battle for their families. But there's an issue when you have a prayer meeting with 50 people and 40 of them are women. That was, and that was cushioning it. Less than, was it eight, nine, about eight percent, only eight percent of our men attend Forge Men's Ministry. So I'm going to stand up and I'm going to battle for the women of Resurrection Life Church. Chad is going to stand up and battle for the women of Resurrection Life Church. We're going to hopefully try to raise up men who will stand up and battle for their families, battle for their children, battle for their grandchildren, battle for their brides, and to battle for the women of Resurrection Life Church. Men, we need you! We've had more than our fair share of women fighting to survive the insidious disease of cancer and other serious sicknesses. And I know you're watching. And uh, I wish you could see our hearts. So today, right now, I want to I wanna pray for the women of Resurrection Life Church. I want to pray for your health. I want to pray that you make it through the battles. I want to pray for a hedge of protection to surround you. I want to pray that you overcome and remain victorious. You might venture to say, oh, pastor's just there because his bride got all laid up. 
Now, Diane and I have been fighting this battle long before she fell and injured herself. But across the, over all the way into California, one of our friends in the ministry, the, uh, the pastor's wife fell and busted her foot up, is no longer at this point able to do the things that God has called her to do because of some crippling injury. Listen, women, and I'm not here to, please don't think I'm fear-mongering at all, but you are on the strategy table of the enemy's warfare department. And I pray that there'll be a day that Brother Chad and I can raise up men who will be more than just a small troop, but become an army to guard spiritually you women, but thank you women for being the backbone of Resurrection Life Church. And I proclaim that with all of my heart, this is what I truly believe. You are the backbone of resurrection, spiritual backbone of Resurrection Life Church. And we'd be crippled without you. So I want to pray for you today. You see, it's not great faith that sees us through the battle. We need faith, but it's not great faith that sees us through the battle, but it's faith in a great God that sees us through the battle. And we have a great God. We don't fight for the victory. We fight from a place of victory, the victory that has already been won by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Can you say amen? Amen. 